Fallon. Jordan, welcome to the show, Brain Health, Untaming Your Pain. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm so excited to be here. How are you? I'm good, thanks. It's such a pleasure to have you on your show. You're a great friend, a, just a, a brain, fun as a brain health super coach for the Amen Clinic. She also runs her own business, but I'll let you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. I'm super excited to have you here today. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So you've known me for a long time. So you've kind of known my journey through brain health, which I mean, I started at the front desk at Amen Clinics uh, almost nine years ago and fell in love with what we do, which is revolutionizing brain health. What if mental health is really brain health? And I've kind of gone into different positions in the company. And now I'm community and curriculum director of Amen University, which is our online platform for courses for everyone. And we originally met through the brain health professional course, which a lot of coaches, therapists, doctors take and uh, helping implement the brain health protocols into their practice, which I love because I love talking about the clinical stuff. It's so much fun, but I'm really loving right now also educating the general public like you are so that people start thinking about this. I mean, it's the organ that controls your life, yet there's an entire field of medicine that it's not looked at. We're not looking at the organ that we're treating and, you know, it just, a lot of the things that I've said over the years, if anyone watches my other videos, like it just comes back to basic science, which is the organ is in charge of all your other organs. Your body is a machine and it needs certain levels of things like magnesium and selenium. And then obviously we don't want things like lead and mercury. And it's just kind of looking at everything as a big system. And speaking of systems, I'm also really into organizational systems. I love that. <laughs> um, I've met a lot of people who are really compliant as far as brain health and functional medicine and what I consider some of the hard stuff, you know, like taking yeah. supplements, staying away from gluten and dairy and sugar and meditating and all this stuff, but their houses were not in good shape and it wasn't promoting Mm -hmm. health, whether it was because of the clutter or just the fact that they had items in their home that they didn't realize were triggering their subconscious brain based on Mm -hmm. the cerebellum connection, that it wasn't serving them a greater good. It was actually inflicting more pain. And so I love educating people about all of these different avenues that you can take to make your brain better and using the research that we have to our advantage. And so much of that is just the way that you think and how much the way that you think is triggered by the subconscious mind and how much of the subconscious mind is triggered from sensory input visual input being the biggest one. So if we can do everything we can to make everything around you look pretty and calming and energizing and create, you know, bringing creativity into your life, bringing intimacy into your relationships, especially in your home, how that changes. And we were talking, I normally do my videos in a different part of the house. And then my friend (laughs) was like, why don't you use that? Cause I was carrying around my laptop and I was like, oh, I don't know. And he's like, it's beautiful. I'm like, yeah, it's my favorite thing in the house. And he's like, you need to start doing your videos from there. And I'm like, okay. So now my desk is just literally in the center of my living room. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I'm happy to see it behind me because it's like the reason I do what I do. Someone very dear to me painted it. And I lost his wife, who was also very dear yeah. to me, to dementia. And so it's just kind of a reminder of like, you know, where I come from, it's a picture of a lake in Maine and then why the people are so important to me. And it's because they helped me when I thought the world was ending because I was a teenager and, mm-hmm. you know, just thought everything sucked. <laughs> <laughs> and they always would just give me so much love, light and wisdom as far as like 
this is part of the human experience. Like you're going to be okay. And it just makes me happy knowing that they're watching over me and I get to have this all in my subconscious while I'm talking. Yeah. It's all that I see and, you in that. I think it's a beautiful picture as well, just to, to have a scenery in the background behind me, although you can't quite see it, is a picture of the Lake District, which my parents got me. Uh, and I love it because it connects me with nature. So I really love, love that. that. So so this show is all about brain health and unchaining your pain. So for you, what does optimal brain health mean for you personally? For me personally, it's really about being your best authentic self, but also giving yourself grace. And so a lot of that is, you know, finding that healthy level of anxiety versus that clinical level of anxiety, that normal Mm -hmm. sense of sadness and grief from something that's happened versus clinical. So I love kind of just waking up every day and saying today's going to be a great day. It's no reason a miracle can't happen for me, the people I care about today and really believing it. And it really starts in the brain. And so there's a lot of bio, psychosocial, spiritual things that you have to incorporate to make sure that you can start your day saying that even on days that are hard. Yeah. And I think that's so important as well, isn't it? To start your day off on a good footing and to really springboard out of bed and and look forward to to it. And as as you say, when we say today is going to be a great day, you start to look for the things that are going to make it great. And so it's much easier to have a positive day as an outcome of that. So t- t- tell me a little bit about, or tell the listeners, because I know a bit about your journeys, that the journey to get you to um, to start at the Amen Clinics itself. So I was kind of just floundering around. Um, I always knew looking back that the brain had something to do with how we act because I knew from a young child that my mom had epilepsy, which was a brain problem. So I was wondered if the way that she acted that seemed different than other moms was because of that. So that's always kind of just floated around in the back house. You know how like God gives you these little nuggets and then you're like, oh yeah, I remember why this makes sense now. Um, but I got a bachelor's in psych, didn't want to do anything with it. It was just kind of non-negotiable to get a degree. And then I just started bartending and I started a new life. I moved from Maine to Atlanta. And then I woke up one day and I just got this message from God, which at that point I had no relationship with saying, you're going to get a job in your field today. And I was like, I don't have a field, like nothing interests me except taking care of people. And I just, every interview I did with psychiatrist, it felt so icky and just thinking about it still makes me like feel sick. And so I went on Craigslist and I found the friend. What's that? Tell people what that is. What's that? It's this like old um, platform where you can post jobs. You can also post like, I'm looking for anything and everything. Um, It's just, it's, known as kind of being funny because it's like now like nobody goes on Craigslist and has this really negative association. (laughs) Like people like would get abducted and like meeting. Oh gosh. Yeah. That's not good. Um, So I just found the front desk job at Eamon Clinics and just fell in love with what we do because it just made sense of everything that I really knew and believed in my heart, but just, I never went looking for anything, which now is validating, right? Because if I had gone Mm -hmm. to a traditional psychiatrist or a to a traditional talk therapist based on what I know about me and my brain, it wouldn't have done much and it possibly could have hurt me even more. So using all of the tools that we had as employees, I just took that and ran with it and have had so much love and support from the doctors to really just continue growing and changing and just seeing my 
brain scan really just got me on that journey to wanting to be the best that I could be and then letting other people know that they can too. But I, we have actual stuff to actually help you do that versus just, you know, positive mindset. Well, that too, but like, like there's so many people in like the coaching world of like positive mindset and changing the way that you think and even, you know, decluttering your house. But when you miss the brain piece and your brain and your specially beautiful brain and how to make it better for you and your goals, like that's, that's the biggest missing piece. And it's not little, it's, just sitting right there on top yeah. of your body. So it's just only the organ that runs everything in your body, but yeah. <laughs> exactly the, the, the most important organ really. Yeah. So I know you said you, you did a degree in psychology. Mm-hmm. What, what stopped you from wanting to, I know everybody does this, don't they? They do a degree and then they don't actually want to utilize it, but what put you off? Um, going into that field because I know you said it made you feel icky what Mm -hmm. what was it that what was it that triggered that I don't know I think it was a culmination of a lot of things because my experience as a student and my passion Mm -hmm. progressively declined into a negative way because of Mm -hmm. all of my concussions and me not knowing and so like my entire self-worth is based on my grades and then my grades started slipping because I wasn't able to focus for as long. Um, even in classes that I was interested in, like writing papers would make me so exhausted I couldn't function and go to class the next day. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of a weird culmination of all these brain health things that now I realize what they were. But there were some classes I remember sitting in psychology class and I'm like, this doesn't make sense. And like, I don't think of myself as that smart, but like, Depression as a symptom means that you get diagnosed with depression, which means you go on an antidepressant medication. Like none of that ever made sense to me just in my heart. And so I just kind of didn't even think about it. Um, Mm -hmm. There was obviously so much stigma with mental health. So even with my issues, I had no interest in doing anything about it. Which is sad because my group therapy class was actually the first time that I really wanted to open up. Mm -hmm. And this uh, friend that I just had a really big falling out with and it was like a, it was a very big deal um there's a lot of people involved and like two of her friends were in my group therapy so i'm like i guess i can't open up so i've always felt like i want to open up and i want to like heal and do this stuff and then something would hold me back but then after i started the clinic and just felt all of the love and saw my brain i was like okay so it's not my fault the stuff that i've gone through is real but i know exactly with a doctor's help how exactly to fix this so that mm-hmm. i have the best chance for success and what, what did you discover? Obviously, you started at the Amen Clinics and you've, you got your brain scan. What was the big revelation for you when that when that happened? I had a really, really busy brain. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of feeling how I felt then, which was, you know, sometimes I'm just like dumb, like sometimes I just don't get things. Um, people would talk about me being a dumb blonde and not having common sense. Um, just certain things that other people seem to get grasp easily were just really hard for me mm-hmm. and so I would have thought of myself as having a brain that wasn't working and then when I saw my brain is actually working it's actually working too hard to let me right. function normally that was really validating in that I had PTSD so a lot of the things I thought were normal trauma that girls experienced at college was not normal at all and so mm-hmm. the lifelong undiagnosed untreated ADD and like how that morphed into depression anxiety and then that caused you know, trauma. It was just like everything kind of came to a head. And so when I hear 
people sharing their stories about things related to scans or the Amen method or just in general, like healing at a spiritual level. It's just kind of crazy how mine, like step one was seeing my brain scan. And then the rest Mm -hmm. was me doing the other hard work. But, you know, you only know your experience and knowing what I know now, it's just kind of crazy to think about me starting to heal and starting to do things like therapy and reading and like making sure that I'm spending my time with really wonderful, uplifting people instead of the people I was hanging out with before I started at the clinic. It just started. I'm just so blessed. I'm just so grateful that, you know, I started here and then worked my way down. Mm -hmm. And I know they say sort of a picture paints a thousand words, but what did it actually force you to do? How did it, how did it transform you from visually seeing the fact that your brain was working too hard. And obviously ADD is normally, it's not working hard enough in the frontal lobe. So is that what, what the situation was from your ADD perspective and the and the other regions of your brain were, were lit up? Yes, and I still get choked up thinking about it because it's just so amazing. It's, it, I was headed in a dark place and like, I had a lot of suicidal ideation in my teens, but mm. knowing what I know now, like most people that attempt especially women, it's usually a little bit later after they've been having the thoughts for a long time. And I don't like to fail at things. So if I was ever going to attempt, like I would have done it. Mm-hmm. Um, and things weren't, my life was really in a bad place when I started at the clinic. Um, but yes, my prefrontal cortex had, it was almost like a U of low blood flow. Wow. And then all the other areas of my brain, except one spot in my cerebellum were not work were overactive. overactive. So it kind of validated. I mean, I'd had the first major concussion I had was in seventh grade and I will never forget it. And just how painful it was. And everyone around me, like so scared, like they were white cause they thought that I was dead and all these other concussions I had from sports and car accidents, which was also part of the ADD. Like I should be paying attention and not driving so fast, but you know, I'm, getting in car accidents regularly and thinking that's normal and it's not just the way that your brain is floating around in there when it has a vigorous shaking like you don't really know how it's going to affect you and so when i saw Mm -hmm. my scan again i was expecting low blood flow everywhere because of all the trauma that had happened and instead no like i had a little bit of dips here and then a spot in the back of my head where i had blunt force trauma three times in the exact same spot but everything else was just overactivity. So that was a really wow. pleasant surprise, but again, not expected because I didn't understand the trauma I'd experienced in my life wasn't normal and like needed mm-hmm. to be processed and treated properly. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and in terms of you, obviously you talk, talk we talk a lot about concussion, don't we? As, as a lot of my clients have undiagnosed head trauma and it's a huge, huge issue and I know the the Amen clinics is it's about 75 percent isn't it of people that come into the clinic um so so what what is it that you did it happen as just one trauma for me it was multiple traumas like about 20 I think I little minor knocks resulted in me having moderate traumatic brain injury is that what happened in your case or was it just a major blow that that resulted in the in the trauma that you had in your mind it was multiple. So the first one was like a fainting episode. So I was tested for epilepsy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I hit the back of my head on a table and then on the cement ground. And mm-hmm. I was really messed up for a while. 
And then I had a few concussions that didn't seem as severe as they were from heading a soccer ball, um, slipping and falling while doing sports in Maine. It snows and it rains a lot. So I would often fall, slipping and falling on the ice as well. Um, and then I had a couple car accidents that were pretty severe. Um, and then I also had another fainting episode in my early 20s where I landed into the corner of a glass table right where I landed the first time in seventh grade and it poked a hole in my head and I was bleeding and, you know, they had to staple me up and everything. That was the worst one. I mean, I couldn't function for a week. I couldn't leave the house because going over a tiny little bump in my car felt like someone was stabbing me in the back of the head. Mm -hmm. And so, and then I had a, another fall, um, actually a couple of years after I started at the clinic, because I remember going to work and then a qu patient asking me a question on our follow-up call. And it was taking so much mental effort that I just started hysterically crying. And I was like, okay, I definitely had a concussion this morning when I thought I just hurt my head. I was cleaning a cut on the bottom of my foot. And for some reason I had some reaction and I just nose dove unconscious onto my floor, my tile floor. So it's like, <laughs> There's been quite a bit of them. Um, that one is different because it was like blunt force to the prefrontal versus the ones I'd had in the back. Um, so like the crying and stuff was new to me. The ones I'd had in the back was more just like spaciness and like headaches and being intolerant of light and noise. Um, so yeah, I know what it's like to get them and I know what it's like to heal them. And it's never too late and it's never too soon. One of the things that I love about Dr. Kabran Chapik, who's one of our doctors mm -hmm. who helped me, is he actually has a traumatic brain injury first aid kit that he recommends in his book, Concussion Rescue. Mm -hmm. And it tells you exactly what to have on hand at all times. And if you take those supplements immediately after a hit or a blow or whatever it is, it decreases your chance of having long-term effects of that concussion exponentially. Mm. So that's one of my yeah. wishes is we just have those everywhere. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's so important and it's so simple as well to have a TBI yeah. first aid kit on to, to hand for, especially for um, sports where it's, you know, contact sports. Yeah. And knowing everything that my parents know now, my mom was like super soccer mom. Like she would have had a kit knowing what she knows now because mm. so many of my issues with my family and decisions I made and stuff like were because of all these things that I was doing in my brain that I didn't realize were hurting it so much. And I know you mentioned quite a few concussions. Did any of those ever make their way to the emergency services to yeah. the hospital? Yeah, all of them. Um, the biggest one was the corner of the glass table because I was, I was mm -hmm. like bleeding um, a lot. And so they had to like staple me up. Um, mm -hmm. And that was not fun because I didn't have health insurance. And so yeah. I don't know what happened. And I was just like so terrified of like getting stuck with an insurance bill or a bill from not having insurance. And so I'm in Maine. My parents are in Georgia. I have my friends send them a picture of the back of my head that I hadn't seen yet. Does she need to go to the ER? We don't have insurance. And they were like, are you an idiot? Like she's gushing blood from her head. Of course, go to the emergency room. Like we'll pay whatever it is. Like, yeah. But that's the problem too, right? It's like health insurance and money. Like there's just so much that goes into needing immediate help, but then also short and long-term healing. And then also prevention that yeah. sometimes it does take a serious thing like that to kind of be like, okay, maybe there's something else I could do to like yeah. not have these fainting episodes, like 
getting yeah. to the core root of why this keeps happening yeah. to me. Well, I know when I um, had a major uh, head injury falling off a bicycle when I was 21, um, it was on my 21st birthday on, under the influence of alcohol, I fell off a bike and smacked my head on the pavement. And shortly after that, I threw beer all over everybody and, and thought it was just my drunken state, but I was actually concussed. I went to bed and I woke up the next morning, cycled to university, this was in Germany, and um, when I got to university and turned the computer on, the letters were moving all over the screen. I couldn't wow. read anything. So I remember just like you just said, I phoned my mum and I said, mum, this is this is happening. She said, you're concussed, you stupid idiot. Get yourself off to hospital. Right. And so that's, what, so, that's, so that's what I did. But they wanted to keep me in overnight, which I wasn't up for because it was a beer festival. And obviously I was, I was young and say, stupid Germany at the time. You did it right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yes, yeah, so I was young and stupid at the time. So they put me in just a, a neck brace and just to stabilize a C-spine injury. Um, and I, off I went back to, to go party, um, which is probably the most stupid thing I could ever do. But I remember for me, um, I had pain in, and I still have pain in the back of my head where I hit it um, for, for years, years and years. Um, because of that. Did, did you notice that a, a huge shift in your attention when you had your uh, head, head trauma? Did it change suddenly for you or was it progressive? Because I know for certain people, you know, they expect it to happen instantaneously, but often trauma doesn't manifest in that way. Just because you hit your head, it doesn't mean instantly you're going right. to experience symptoms of, of the head trauma. Yeah, I mean, I was um a really strong reader i loved reading for pleasure and then after mm -hmm. the last one the the big whole thing that happened mm -hmm. um i mean i couldn't read anymore um mm -hmm. without immediately falling asleep because it would mm -hmm. took so much mental strain to stay on the lines um and so now i have a lot of help i have my overlay ah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, knowing what I know now, right? Like if I'd had that overlay after the concussion, I might've been able to pull through with college. Um, but I mean, I still have nightmares of like not going to class, like my degree mm -hmm. not being real. Like it, it was so bad that I just like lost motivation. Cause I'm like, if I can't read, what is the point of me doing anything? Cause like the lectures mm -hmm. are only so much. It's really about the textbooks. And yeah, it was just really hard to like not be able to do that, which is another thing that I'm always grateful for is that now like, you know, reading has been easy for me and it's like my favorite mm -hmm. thing to do. And, you know, I definitely would know if some, if I had a concussion and didn't think it was as bad as it was, like I would know, like that's one of the things that would change. And then just my energy level from like being on screens. Uh, I mean, I always have my computer on the night mode, like on the strongest Amber setting. Mm -hmm. and all the light bulbs in my house are amber setting. So I do a lot of things to accommodate to make sure that my brain is always in a health promoting state when it comes to light and sound, because I know how much it affects me. Mm -hmm. Wow. And in terms of, cause I know the aiming clinics method is very different to the traditional approaches. Cause we look at the biological, psychological, social, and spiritual circles, and it's a very much an integrated approach. How different was it to the approach that you received when you were in the hospital itself, when you when you had those concussions? What was the 
what was the typical uh, approach or treatment that you were told to have when you went when you first went in with a concussion? I mean, the first one, it was just we need to test you for epilepsy because your mom has it, so you might have it. Very clearly, didn't they didn't want to do any other testing. They really should have been testing me for my blood sugar, insulin, and my hormones because I knew immediately, I mean, my body changed so much very quickly after that. And it's because of my pituitary gland and how that was damaged. Um, But the most recent one, I mean, they just stapled my head and gave me pain pills, which did nothing because based on the Eamon method, we do genetic testing for pharmaceuticals and supplements and how you metabolize and methylate them. And there is not one pain pill on the market besides ibuprofen that I can take that has a positive effect on me. So Mm -hmm. all like the surgeries I've had and stuff, just like wisdom teeth, tonsils, like my recovery was horrid because they give you pain pills because that's what they normally do without looking at your genes. And like I couldn't take any of them. And knowing what I know now, like, you know, I can do hypnotherapy, I can do acupuncture, I can do havening before Mm -hmm. and after any procedure that I would need. Like, there's just so many more things that we can do to when we do need necessary medical stuff, like make that the least toxic, most healing on your body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how... For those people that are in that kind of situation, or if you reflect back to that time when you uh, had your head trauma, what what would you say to yourself if you were to go back in time now? What would you say to yourself with regards to the situations that you're in? What advice would you give yourself? I mean, definitely. I mean, I keep Dr. Chapik's Concussion Rescue book on my phone. (laughs) It's a great book to take on my phone at all times yeah. so I can share it with anybody because it really makes a huge difference. The sooner you can take them, the more you can heal yeah. and then do some of the other stuff. Like if you need to work on your light and noise sensitivity and like stay off screens, like the normal stuff that they tell you, but I mean, the supplements is key. The hyperbaric oxygen is key. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many things that a standard ER doctor is not going to know about and not recommend to you. And it's like funny, but like sad, like my friends know, like if I have a horrid concussion or a car accident or something, like when I go to the hospital, like I want the hyperbaric oxygen. I want high doses of omega-3s. I want high doses of vitamin D. I want high doses Mm -hmm. of vitamin C. All the other crap they're trying to give me is not really going to help. It's not going to serve me, my brain, my body, how I metabolize things. Um, you know, I've even looked into like, if I ever had to have an, um, volunteer surgery for anything, like my friend, that's a hypnotherapist and acupuncturist know, like I'm doing an intensive with them before and after, because, you know, in Chinese medicine, they believe the body is not meant to be cut open and there's Mm -hmm. so many things we can do to heal it. So just all of the different things that I've learned, but the supplements for brain repair is like the number one, most important thing for sure. Yeah. And I think that so few people understand the importance of supplementation. It's not even mentioned in the emergency services rooms here in the UK that I've ever heard of. Um, It's like, for me, it's like uh, you break your leg um, Mm -hmm. and you go to the doctor and you say, I think I've broken my leg. And the doctor says, "Uh, you're just in pain. Here, have two, two, uh, two paracetamol and be on your way. You wouldn't do that with a broken leg. Right. Uh, You'd image it and you check 
what's functioning and where the blood's flowing and right. making sure whether it's broken or not but for some reason the most important organ of our body which is the brain uh they don't image it they don't look at it they guess and they typically do that very thing is they give you some pain relief or they give you some relief of medication of some sort mm -hmm. that doesn't necessarily deal with the root cause and certainly doesn't necessarily provide you with a an appropriate outcome that serves you over the over the long term which is just I just think it's so wrong yeah I mean yeah. anytime my friend has something going on like um that seems neurological like I go to the ER with them and if they're not here in Atlanta like I tell them get me on the phone like beg them for a spec scan I know they're going to keep saying no but just keep on asking because yeah. we just got to keep asking the right questions. And it's like the doctors are doing the best they, they can. Like most of them got an MD or a DO with training of training things with medicine. And we really need to start thinking of healing as whole body, whole person. Um, my friend and colleague who learned the hard way, she had kind of started dabbling in brain health and nutrition. Mm -hmm. um, but something happened to the brakes on her brother's boat and she was ejected at a very high speed from the boat and broke like oh virtually goodness. all the bones in her body. And the first thing she told her family when she woke up was, I want you bringing me organic fruits and vegetables, specifically green leafy green, green leafy greens and bringing them to the hospital and telling them not to even think about bringing me that food that they're trying to bring me. And she yeah. literally healed her body through food and supplements in the hospital along with the other surgeries that they had to do. Mm -hmm. But especially with breaks, uh, I know this also from a family member that experiences like it just takes time. Yeah. Like, nourish and speed up the recovery. And when my friend that was ejected from the boat went back for her um, full body CT scan, they said there's, they thought it was a mistake. They're like, there's no way your body could have healed this perfectly this quickly. She's like, no, there is. You just need to pay attention to the literature of like using nutrition and supplements to heal Health medicine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? I think, uh, how, uh, little, I mean, we could talk for this for hours, but how, um, I paid no attention to food and the importance of food as medicine for my body because I, at the time when I was young and with no clue about the importance of, of brain health, I was fit as in my eyes, I was fit, I was healthy um, and I was almost invincible and I didn't think there was a need to care about it because what, why, would, why would I? I felt fine, but fine isn't good enough exactly. um, and it and it turns out that I was addicted to sugar um, and my diet, you know, my fine on my diet became chronic, chronic uh, and turned, you know, I ended up becoming obese uh, or overweight, sorry, not, not obese, overweight um, because my diet wasn't serving me. I was using food as, as medication, but for, for the very, in a very wrong way, loaded with sugar, loaded with simple carbohydrates and and that spiraled my my situation further downhill. How did your how did your mindset shift from a food perspective based on what you'd learned? Where where were you at on your journey and how did it change? So it's really just paying like I've had food sensitivity testing and all that. Yeah. Um, did restrictive diets and kind of figured out what works for me. And it's not as obvious for everyone. Like my best friend, like if she has something with gluten or sugar, like she's immediately going to be in pain, like endometriosis pain. 
Yeah. Versus me where I know if I have something like that, I'm either going to crash with energy late in a few hours from consumption, mm-hmm. or I realized with like being a hundred percent compliant with gluten free, I get really depressed the next day. And like mm-hmm. normal, it would have been a normal for me in the past, but now it's like my new, my normal is like here now, like my normal isn't here. Um, so when I see people eating stuff, I'm like, you know, that's great, but it's not worth me not feeling well and like not feeling good in my own skin, which I've busted my butt to feel this good. And mm-hmm. now that I know it works for me, like I have to keep that like in the forefront of my mind. Mm-hmm. And where do you think if you hadn't been on your journey uh, and you hadn't, you said you were the deepest place that you could have been when you started the job at the Amen Clinics, if you hadn't have got that calling and found that job for yourself, where, what, how different would your life have panned out? I mean, you can use your imagination. I mean, first of all, I didn't feel comfortable in my skin. I did not have self-esteem. I was Uh openly having an affair with a married man and thought that that was totally normal. Uh I was living basically in the ghetto with like this mindset, like I'm never going to have enough money. I'm always going to have to work three jobs to function. Um, But then always in the back of my head, like feeling like there's something special I should be doing. So it's like this revolving door of like guilt and not feeling good enough. And like, I'm always going to struggle. My taste in men is absolutely horrible. Obviously like it was just, and you know, substance abuse, add that in too. It was just a lot. It, it's yeah. it's really crazy because I had instilled in friends with a lot of people that were in my life at that point. And I, we haven't ever had like a deep conversation about it, but like, yeah. it's like they knew I was going to get it together and I didn't. Yeah. And it's just like a really surreal experience. Um, you know, I had my birthday a couple weeks ago and I said, all I want everybody to do is like, tell me one thing that they love about me that makes me special. And then one thing you want me to work on this year so I can learn and grow. And everyone's like, we're not telling you anything negative. And I'm like, I'm asking <laughs> you to tell me. And it's like, there would have been no time in my life recently where I would have ever openly been like, Hey, tell me everything that you think I need to work on. And like, been like, yes, like, I'm so excited. I get to work and continue to grow and like have the support of these people that love me. I was just always on the defense about everything. Like always felt like everything was my fault. Um, yeah, it was just like a very different reality. <laughs> uh-huh. That's, I mean, it's, I mean, for me, I had a similar, a similar shift in terms of, uh, being in a, in a, dark place and uh, certainly as a as a teenager I was uh did some really stupid stuff uh, and early on into my adulthood um that I'm not at all proud of but um thankfully um I've been able to you know break free from those emotional ties that put me in this stupid place and and understand from a brain health perspective what what is important so you can get that emotional balance and like like yourself i have regions of my brain that work too hard and uh and for me it can be my way or the highway um with an overactive anterior cingulate gyrus um (laughs) and an overactive basal ganglia so i get really anxious and i get really angry at the same time because the things aren't going my way um so it's kind of like stay away from ruth for a little bit and i normally have to run it off but um when you um, discovered for yourself 
how to find that balance. And I, I like to think of the balance at uh, an emotional level. So I, I kind of look at the four quadrants of well-being, which is your emotional, your physical, your mental and your spiritual well-being, which kind of ties into the Amen Clinic methodology. When you found that balance for yourself at an emotional level, you know, being able to accept your emotions and let them come and go and physically, feeling physically well and doing the things that support you rather than hurt you, mentally having the clarity and that and, and knowing how your brain you know how your thoughts are are running you and how to control them and obviously spiritually feeling like you're aligned with what you're passionate and and what feels purposeful for you how how did thing how did it really shift for you where where did the biggest shifts happen in in terms of those four quadrants where where did you notice the biggest change in yourself I'm so grateful you asked. I like kind of mentioned earlier. I mean, I had no relationship with God. I was always like very confused by people that were like so sure about whatever their particular belief was, like denomination or whatever. I just never got it. Um, yeah. And through working through the clinics and meeting amazing providers that were also my friends and colleagues. Because most of the people that were in the position I was in for six years with the company, most of them had masters and like were. Mm -hmm to pursue therapy private practice and so like we just would have we would chit chat and like talk about life and like I learned all these skills and then I finally got ready to do my own work with a trauma therapist and then that's really what got me I mean my relationship with God and spirit is the most important thing in my life and I can tell when I'm not being authentic with my soul and my you know being my body yeah. And just knowing that, like, if I need to ask a question, I know how to ask it. I know how to listen to my intuition now because I'm not in fight, flight, freeze all mm -hmm. the time. Like, I lived there for 30-something yeah. years. And now it's like, I got, like, I can do some deep breaths. I can gain some clarity. You know, yesterday in my meditation, I felt like I got a little tap on my, uh, this part of my hand. And then I went and looked and it's like, it's either spleen or liver, which are both um, strong organs for me with my human design, which is like living your most authentic self in the most efficient way. And for me, it's like doing my work, like coming to work, like ready to hang out and talk to people like you and like yeah. share this message and all the different little things that go around with that. But I mean, it's, it's weird now that like some people see me as this like, spiritual person and like being really grounded in that area when people from what I call like my past life, like when I was a teenager in my twenties, like probably never had any conversation about anything like that ever. Mm -hmm. um, and did you, did you, I mean, I felt like I turned my back on, on the whole spiritual thing when I was a teenager, I definitely wasn't going to go into church because I think I would have been struck down by lightning. Um, did, did you find that you did that? <laughs> did you find you did that? Oh my that God, I was like, too? I mean, I, I tried, <laughs> I really did. Like, cause I wanted to believe in something, but because I was so depressed and anxious, like, I'm like, why would I have to suffer? Like, why would I have to do this? And like, why would God cause all this pain? And now I have a better understanding of what that means. And yes, it's part yeah. of my journey to where I am now. So I can have more grace for myself and empathy for other people. But I'm a divine being first and a human being second. And being a good human being means taking care of myself biologically, psychologically, who I spend the most time with socially, 
but like that spiritual piece and like my relationship with the divine is always going to be number one. And yeah, like there's some days like maybe I didn't remember to take my supplements or like mm-hmm. maybe I didn't eat the, the healthiest thing. Like maybe, you know, I eat quinoa noodles now. Like maybe I ate more than I should have or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. it's okay. Like I'm still making healthy decisions almost every single day. And like, as long as I can listen to my intuition and stay on track with my purpose that God is constantly showing me what that is, that's what's going to hold me through. And like, that's, what's going to make me happy and fulfilled and being able to continue educating people the way that I want to, because I would like to be doing this for the rest of my life. I have no plans to retire. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you mentioned you, uh, and it's maybe a sensitive subject, so we don't have to talk about it in any detail. But you mentioned that you you obviously have PTSD, um, and 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 you were able to unravel your trauma and, and unchain your pain. What what was it for you that really helped you on that journey, and and how did that shift in terms of your brain function? So when I saw the PTSD pattern on my scans uh-huh. and started thinking and talking about to some of my colleagues that were therapists about what the traumas could have been. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, mentioning things like, you know, rape and like these big things as if they're normal. And they're like, no, mm-hmm. like that's like a big T like in their language. Like that's a big trauma. That's not like a little mm-hmm. T. That's not like all the times you're made fun of at the best stop. And like all the times that the guys that were being incredibly mean to you in grade school later were trying to ask you out in high school and were like total assholes. Um, but yeah, when I saw that on my skin and I realized like, oh, wow, like that sexual abuse thing that happened to me isn't normal and it's causing my brain and my life not to be normal, I want to fix it. And so I did brain scanning and very quickly actually cleared that trauma. I think a lot of the little teens were more what I needed to focus on because so many of Mm -hmm. them were around um, never feeling like I could be myself and be appreciated. I felt Mm -hmm. like if I wore the right clothes and the right shoes and I talked in a certain way, I would be liked and again, for a lot of people that know me back then, like they would have said like, oh, you always seem so happy and you were so friendly. I don't remember myself that way. Like I remember myself as like sad and like super insecure and like pretty much to do anything I could to fit in with the group mm-hmm. versus standing out, which is another beautiful thing that's transpired with my family. Like my dad said that he's like, you were always meant to shine. You were never meant to be in the background. And I mean, as you can imagine, like I didn't have a relationship with my parents when I was dating that married man. So there's just, and my parents dropped, like there's just so much that has shifted for me, but generations because I'm carrying trauma from my parents and their parents and Mm -hmm. their parents, me fixing my brain and like, fixing the traumas based on brain-based things like havening. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the most important thing that we can do. And I'm so grateful that there's people like you and some of these influencers that are talking about being born as a trauma, being human as a trauma. And then all these other things that happen to you need to be processed. It's like, hear your emotions, feel your emotions, validate and thank them and then let them go. And if you're at a point in your life where you can't do the let go part, like that's when it's like, we need to talk about your brain because there's something holding you back, uh, which I know very well because 
trauma is typically a serotonin problem in the brain. It can also sometimes be dopamine. Um, but my serotonin and dopamine, um, the way that they go in and out of my cells is very fast. And so like, I might feel really good. Like when I first started taking um, some of the supplements for serotonin, I would feel better very quickly. Mm -hmm. And then it would kind of like die off. And like same with tyrosine, if you're really good, and then like it would kind of die off. And so there's other things I had to do to make sure that I was methylating and metabolizing things as best as I could based on my brain and trauma, which is funny now that I'm thinking of it. I always wonder, like, I wonder what my genetic testing, if it would say anything different, because the serotonin part was huge and knowing what I know, excuse mm -hmm. me, about generational trauma and how much, I mean, I've done so much EMDR and brain spotting and hypnotherapy and havening identity oriented psychotrauma. Like I've done all these different avenues and they're all equally um, helpful. Yeah. But for someone like me with an overactive brain who already thinks that you think that I'm crazy, if I had gone into a talk therapist office, it wouldn't have ended well. Um, me going in for brain spotting, I have this very specific trauma that happened and I'd like to process it and I don't want to talk about it. And then me leaving and being like, whoa, like that really helps. Like it helped me open up to do the other types of therapy where I had to be more talkative and engaged. Um, but I think that's something else that sometimes we do backwards. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I, I think it's so important. And thank you for sharing that as well. Um, yeah. in terms of what I do, because I think it's so important that we create the right vehicles for people to have that release from trauma and often the traditional approaches aren't appropriate because people don't want to talk about it and they don't want to be labeled and often it's too painful you know you mentioned rape as it is a very difficult to topic of conversation to talk about it's very difficult to 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 bring that experience back to life and you don't want to because it doesn't doesn't serve you it makes it more painful and actually we know often it can reinforce when you bring trauma back verbally it reinforces the connections and re um and makes them stronger so you relive it, it as nightmares as well which i've i've noticed with clients who are expected to talk about things whereas if you don't talk about it and you've got the appropriate approach as you say emdr brain spotting havening it can make a huge difference to people without having to relive it in a destructive what can be destructive for them. Totally. One of the uh, biggest takeaways that I learned over the years was when I read Francine Shapiro's book on EMDR before I did it, mm -hmm. me, obsessive student, like want to make sure you don't think I'm <laughs> and I know what I'm doing, getting myself into. Um, she shared, and this is coming as someone that doesn't have children, and I know you would do anything for Lily. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing about a trauma is not just the experience itself, but especially when you do confide in somebody and then they either don't believe you or don't validate your feelings, that sometimes is like the biggest thing that actually impacts your brain. And it's always stuck with me. And so one of the things that she says is like, oh, if someone has gone through something like just like, I'm so sorry that happened, like you are safe and just continuing to say you are safe. And if they're willing, a hug and um my one of my ex-boyfriends whose kids I got very close to, I remember he walked through a spider web and mm -hmm. I spiders don't bother me, which is why he ran into one of my house because I was like, oh, you can live here. It's fine. And 
he, I mean, complete hysterical. Like I literally thought he was going to like pass out. He was so hysterical. And so I held him and I said, I'm so sorry this happened. Like you are safe. You are safe. You are safe. Um, nothing can hurt you. You are safe. Nothing can hurt you. You are safe. And like, he immediately was fine. Mm -hmm. But then his father said something like, it's just a spider. Like you need to man up. And then he went back into fight, flight, freeze. And I was like, man, I was like, if we could teach parents this one little thing, I mean, anybody, but I'm just thinking of like, you know, yeah, trying to get these kids programmed in the best way by age seven before their ego develops and they have to deal with all this adult stuff. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it was really validating to hear that because yes, of course, what happened to me was horrible, but um, there was a circumstance where someone could have helped me and saved me, but they were so drunk that they didn't realize what was happening. And that later when it, it did kind of surface that this happened without me talking about it, cause I didn't want to talk about yeah. it. Um, the conversation around what happened and like people laughing about it was the trauma. Like people yeah, I didn't take you and yeah, like not helping me is one thing, but then like laughing about this happening. And again, they're, I'm not taking it personally. Like they are projecting probably their own sexual trauma experience. But until a few years ago, I didn't know that. And that was the trauma. Like, I'm like, again, like losing friends. Like I can't trust anybody who's going to love me if they know these things about me. So yeah, I'm grateful that I've had a lot of wonderful therapy around (laughs) all of those things. Cause I really do have the most wonderful people in my life now, honestly. Well, thank you for sharing because I think there's so many women out there who who have been through a, a similar experience and one in four, yeah. People and don't they, think about it. They don't talk about it. The staff don't talk about it. Like they park it. It might feel shameful to them. They might feel guilty that they invoked it. it you know, there's a whole heap of situations that may 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 result in women not talking about it and I think it's important that they have that opportunity or, or men you know we're not not discounting men in this either um is, is that they have that opportunity to get that trauma relief um in a way that that helps them and uh, uh, thank you so much for sharing that because I think it's important that, yeah that that people hear that there are alternatives I know from my mum's perspective um uh, she's had some difficult um, stuff that's happened to her in the past but one of the biggest traumas she had was when she sought help uh, to deal with my dad's death and and the trauma for her was um, talking to the person that was inducting her for CBT who made her relive her whole experience uh, in the in the interview to, to get her signed up to an online CBT program uh, and she cancelled uh, the program because if that she said, if that didn't make me uh, want to want to do something to myself because of the way that they treated me and the way that they, in, you know, behaved towards what was obviously very traumatic for her. Um, I don't know what, you know, don't know what does and how can that be an appropriate approach for people who are in a very yeah. dark place. And I, I think there's a huge shift that's needed and in the in the professional space to be much more compassionate about people's situations and be that and be that listener uh uh like mark brackett says is to be the emotional scientist and not the emotional judge is so is so important in in those situations um so thank you for sharing that and if you so this show uh is all about 
brain health and unchaining your pain based on your story and i know you shared so much but i'm going to going to pick the the story of your trauma uh recovery that we've just been talking about what 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 one piece of advice would you say to anybody who has been really traumatized by something and they and they and they can't talk about it because it's too painful or they feel too ashamed or they it's just too confidential too personal given the circumstances around which it occurred what one piece of advice would you give to people who are seeking to unchain their pain from a a past trauma i mean definitely that you're never alone i know that i felt that way a lot and the more Mm -hmm. The more people that I meet that I really love and respect who are in this field with us, that's one of the biggest things that they share. But then also knowing that there are things you can do that help. And yeah, CBT for grief, like definitely not a fit for a lot of people, but we don't have proper training around what you really need to do to help somebody that is grieving because grieving process is different for everybody. I know yeah. there's five stages, you know, I have, that's one of the few things that I learned and listened to when I was in college, but it's yeah. really different for everyone and you deserve to be your best. And if you know that this thing or this group of things like traumas are the reason that you're not living your best life, find, you know, reach out to us. Like we have a network mm-hmm. all over of people that can help you because there are a lot of people that do jobs they're not supposed to do, just like the teacher that's like not very kind to her students, just like there are in the field of psychology. Like there are just some people that shouldn't be doing this job. And unfortunately, if you fall into their hands, like it's it's going to be harmful. But use the resources that we have. Um, there's just so much that we can do to heal without having mm. to overly talk about it. And like I said, this is my experience because um the brain spotting i mean the first five sessions i did were five memories relationships and i barely said anything and that got my brain calm enough and my confidence up enough that i could actually do some of the other work of more traditional therapy just yeah. to, to know myself i feel like i didn't know and yeah. a lot of people feel this way like do what you can to know yourself like find out what your yeah. brain is like find out what your human design is find out what you know, when you start answering some simple questions of what you want your life to look like, you know, what makes you feel passionate and creative and fulfilled? Like start making your happiness the priority because the world needs you happier. It's going to make other people happy. And being a human is really hard on this planet. And like, we need to make, especially in today's crisis. We need to make the most of it. Like sometimes I have to laugh and I'm grateful. I have a community of people like you that I can do this with. Sometimes it's like, (laughs) we just gotta, I mean, look at, look where we are. Look at all these things that are happening. And like, it's just absolutely crazy and like sad and infuriating, but it's like, we have to make the most of it. And it just starts with us feeling better about who we are so that we can help other people do the same. Yeah, and I think it's so important is to is to find your happy for you and and to do what's necessary to to unchain that pain that you may be suffering with, so that you can let let it go and and find the right therapist or the right coach, the right mentor, whoever it happens to be, to to help you so that you can step into that person that you want to be. Oh my goodness, Fallon, it's been just an amazing 
to talk to you and to hear your story. There's so many things I can relate to uh, from what you've shared today. So I just, just want to say a massive thank you to you for, for being so open and being so vulnerable and, and willing to, to share your journey into optimising your, your unique brain because our brains are all unique and we're all so special as individuals and you're just such a special person. For me personally, and I just such a so lovely just to be connected with you and to learn from you and to be in your community and be part of the uh, of the brain health professional community. So thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I'm always happy to talk to anyone that will listen. And if anything I said was helpful, even better. <laughs> and so, how can people get hold of you if they want to get in touch? How can they connect with you? How can they find you? Thankfully, there's not a lot of Fallon Jordans on the planet. At least <laughs> most of them that are blonde and my age. Um, so you can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on LinkedIn. Check out the stuff that I post. Check out my other videos. It's all brain health stuff, spiritual stuff, help with organizing and priority, prioritizing your life and your relationships and your home. Really just anything that I can do to help empower people that, you know, the world deserves to have you happy and you deserve to be happy. So anything I can do based on the amazing people that I get to talk to and learn from, I just am always sharing it. Um, make sure you connect with Fallon because I know we didn't even talk about decluttering your home and that's definitely some help I need uh, from my side. <laughs> um, did you see that I made a little step-by-step -step course? I did, yeah. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but I've seen that you've made it. So I'm excited. Yeah, just make sure you email me because it's it's much easier for me to just reply and then attach it. Uh, okay. 70 slides. So it's really <laughs> thorough. It's free. And please reach out to me if you want it. Um, I would actually be really curious um, how some people on your side of the lake are because it incorporates uh, Haji and Feng Shui. Oh, great. Okay. That's exciting. So it's yeah, just I'm a tiny bit, but, um, you know, a lot of people here have never even heard of Hygie, and it's like my whole life is based on that. So <laughs> be kind that of sounds great. Yeah, I'm going to definitely check it out and email you. Yay. <laughs> all right, thank you. And this show is all about brain health, unchaining your pain, and thank you for sharing your journey as to how you have done that. Thanks, Fallon, for joining me. Thank you so much. This broadcast is brought to you by Winjack Studios. We are an all-in-one educational platform for podcasters that revolutionizes how hosts leverage content to increase engagement with listeners, downloads, and income. We come together to focus on community, collaboration, and collective impact. For more information on how you can interact directly with our hosts, access exclusive live content with offers you can't get anywhere else from our official partners, join our purpose-driven community by visiting www.winject.com. If you're ready to build a career doing what you love, then we're ready to see you there.